I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, my favorite thing about the movie is like, it feels like a, like a movie. Can I get you anything? A gun. Fucking Where the hell have you been, Loka? My mom does all the grocery shopping. And enough champagne to fill the Nile. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. That means nothing. I like mugs. I want to make history. And that's what this is. What was that? Hi, Maddie. Hello, Nicholas. Welcome to What the Fuck is Happening? The, the podcast. podcast. <laughs> oh, wait, I did that the wrong way around. Yeah, oh, well. you did. Anyway, switching it up. Um, <laughs> how are you? I The same as I was an hour ago. <laughs> Yes, for context, we are filming this immediately after filming we are. the last episode, so yep. we feel the same way. We do. We do. Same updates, same news. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, We're planning on this being a bit of a shorter episode. It won't be. Probably I already not. know, because we're going to spend at least 30 minutes talking about just Oppenheimer. Are we? <laughs> Probably, if anyway, last night was any indication. We're going to go through what we've been watching yes. TV-wise and yep. movie-wise and give little reviews, little updates, little recommendations, Specifically, kind of just chat about it. my opinion is we should be talking about the movies we've seen in cinema together over the past couple of months. <laughs> Who cares I what we've been know watching been separately? Watching. Nothing. So. Well, I've been watching a lot. Well, I don't care. <laughs> I care, but in our personal time, I care. Not on the pod. <laughs> really rude. Really I'll see. Rude. I'll wait and see, I guess. Well, we've not talked about Barbie. Shit. Wow. Fuck. Has it been that long? <sighs> okay, well, Barbie changed my life. <laughs> yeah, Barbie slayed the house down booze. Barbie slayed. Oh, my God. Oh, it's Barbie. been so long, actually, since we saw okay, it. Okay, since we've seen Barbie, I've seen 20 movies. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm not going to review all of them because most no. of them are old. Fair. But um, yeah, we saw Barbie yes. the day after recording, not the last episode, the episode before that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, I think there's probably, think, I think there's not much we can really add to the discourse on this because like. Yeah. Except I mean, aside for the people from... who are complaining about it are like grossly. Exactly. Missing the point of the movie. Yes, exactly. But anyone who enjoyed the movie knew what it was about and I don't think there's any extra discourse we can add to it. Other than no. just to confirm, it was, it was amazing. Genuinely hilarious. It was so funny. It was it really was genuinely good. Genuinely moving. It was well made, good acting. acting. Insane. When Barbie cries for like the first time mm. and she's got like this perfect uh facial like expression of uh, crying and having an intense emotional reaction to something <sighs> while also being excited by feeling a new sensation yeah. by yes. in like, feeling anything really yeah um i don't know margie robbie absolutely slayed to my core she slayed uh as everyone was saying ryan gosling also 
fantastic. Slayed. He did so good. He did so good. He did so I good. I will say. Sorry. You're right. Um, anyone who says that Ryan Gosling did a better job than Margot Robbie is wrong. Because this movie would not have worked unless Margot Robbie was willing to put everything into it. It's really true. And also, not just, like, going for it with, like, the silly comedic mm. uh, kind of inherentness of being a Barbie movie. Yeah. But, like, the emotional scenes, too. No, it's really true. And kind of true. earnestness that it involved. So we'll I genuinely don't think this movie would have worked without My... someone like Margot. And also someone I like think people Ryan. are. I think people are under... Um, What's it called? Estimating. Underestimating her performance. I totally agree. I feel my personal opinion on this is that people are only saying they thought um, Ryan Gosling did a better job is because they liked Ken's character more because it was um, he was like funnier. He was, was more goofy lovable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I don't actually think it had anything to do with their acting sure. and their yeah, performance. Right. It had much more to do with just the character that they enjoyed more. That's fair. So, and I guess the other thing probably that also played into it is that I would say that Ryan Gosling playing Ken was a little bit more outside the box than Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie playing Barbie. Yeah. Um, it was a bit more different for him, a bit more of a departure from his typical role. Um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it really, he really had to like let loose and go for it. He did. A lot of his scenes, he really did. Like his, his energy, you know, his energy, his said, musical, the musical scene and stuff. Yeah. If he didn't fully commit, then it would have been bad and cringe. And oh, horrible. for sure, for so sure. He absolutely deserves all the praise he's getting. Yeah. I just also think Margot had to do that plus. Yeah. Committing emotionally. Yeah, she definitely she had um, a different role, which in the to film. me is just as impressive. No, for um, sure. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. For sure. Very impressive film. Really, really super enjoyed it. Honestly, very little critiques. Yeah, and also kudos to them for doing, for not just doing the easy, easy route narrative-wise. They could have just done the classic, ooh, this person that's traditionally a cartoon or a toy or whatever is in the real world. Yeah, yeah. That was like... 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it was. And then it turns out the actual movie is about something completely different. Yeah. And I absolutely adored that. So did I. It was very... Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Truly before the movie, I was like, I'm kind of annoyed they're doing the classic uh, uh, A Fish Out of Water. Like every other film we've seen in the past 10 years, like Thor, Wonder Woman, Enchanted, like... But they (laughs) didn't didn't. do that at all. They did not. They flipped it on its head. to Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach for doing that. Yeah, for sure. Absolute slay. It was an absolute slay. Um, What was... That was Barbie. Mm. What was next? I don't think I saw anything after Barbie. On our tour of... Um, and then the next cinema movie was. I saw Mission Impossible. Did you see Mission Impossible? No. No, but you saw that before the last. Anyway. I think it was after Barbie. It was before Barbie. Was it? Yeah. Maybe. I've not seen it yet, so she can't go into too much detail. No. But it was good. There's one big choice in the movie, a death. That yes. I already don't agree with. No, that was the one thing for me that kind of ruined the whole film. I can't I actually really want you to see it because I really want I think I know how the whole series is going to end now because of what they did in this one. Um and so I really want you to see it so we can discuss it and see if you have the same theory as me. Do you think um Ethan's going to die as well? No, I don't. I don't. 
Because I was going to say, I don't think they can, I don't think they can do that after Bond and just did it. Yeah, no, I don't. I know. Anyway, I'll tell you after you see the film. Um, next, well, new movie was Red, White, and Royal Blue. I watched that oh, and adored it. It's I haven't seen it, but I want to. <sighs> adorable, romantic, and campy, cute, and. Uh, see, one of the main things I've seen about this is like <laughs> mainstream media watchers being like. So- <laughs> I'm trying to blow something off my glasses. Is mainstream media what just being like, oh my God, I'm surprised at how like sexy it was, how like raunchy. And I'm like, and then other people being like, this was like bare minimum. <laughs> it was hardly anything. <laughs> well, I think people got burned by the My Policeman Harry Styles movie. Yeah, right. Because the director of that was like, not all gay sex is sucking and fucking and being vulgar. And all this stuff. Oh, no. It's, and- sometimes it's just sweet, quiet love. And everyone was like, mm, yeah, but there's a lot of sucking and fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it can be both. <laughs> and this movie had both. Iconic. It had, like, intense, spontaneous, like, sucking. <laughs> and it had, like, slow, sensual, romantic fucking. Bless. And it had a booty. Wow. Yeah. I want to see it. It's on Prime for free. Fucking watch I it. I know, I should. Free. Wait, maybe this monthly is what subscription. I should watch tonight. It's really good. I'll watch Free Practice 1 and then I'll watch that. <laughs> free Practice 2, I should say. <laughs> yeah, it's really slay. It's really, really good. I loved it a lot. Okay, yeah, um, that's what I'm doing. I'm watching it tonight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I Cute. really loved it. Um, Next, we saw The Meg 2, The Trench. Oh, wow. I can't believe we saw Barbie and then The Meg. <laughs> that's we have... wild. <laughs> is annoying the fuck out of me we have Why two your shirt? no no because then i have to do the whole thing oh okay um we have two slightly differing opinions on the meg to the trench i honestly am really shocked that you didn't enjoy it more considering you also enjoy watching like twilight and 50 shades i don't love twilight i think that's... twilight i like all the campy stuff yeah but then the rest that's like half an hour and then the other two hours are always so fucking boring and slow Interesting. Maybe it's just Chelsea and I that really like watching bad movies together, and then you just. I loved bad it. movies. I loved the first Meg. This one was just so weird because the it first half weird. of the movie was bad. It was, but it was like kind of like an Taking intense really drama. Seriously. Yeah, like environmental. About, like, yeah. Exploring the deep ocean and like a corporate espionage. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And environmental then the second dangers. half was like. Sharknado 10. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I felt like they're just really, like, I mean, for the first 45 minutes, I was like, this is so boring. What have I done? Why are we here? This is not at all like the first one. And then the last 60 minutes, I was like, this might be the greatest movie of all time. Interesting. Um, And so definitely when I was watching it, that gave me whiplash. But by the end of it, I was like, there was just a lead up, you know, it balanced out in the end. Look, I don't have (laughs) a lot to say. What, what, what did you rate it out of 10? 10. Be serious. (laughs) Well, I mean, like on pure, like actual enjoyment, enjoyment 10. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe an eight because the first 45 minutes really did let it down. So you would genuinely, in your ranking of movies this year, put The Meg next to Oppenheimer as a 10 out of 10? No, hold on. In my pure enjoyment levels, yes, I would. As a straight up movie ranking for your Madison Muller's 100 movies of the year that she's watched. 
what would you rate it out of 10? No decimals. <laughs> would I watch it again? Yes, you would. Absolutely. I will buy it and I'll watch it in my spare time constantly. Do I think it was an actual good movie? No, it was like a one out of 10, obviously. So like a six or a seven? Yeah, if I had to. Yeah, I guess. Just fucking say that. Why are you embarrassed to say that? It doesn't feel like a six or a seven, you know? Because it's not. It feels like a ten or a one. (laughs) You're insane. I, on my official next 200 movies of the year, Mm -hmm. my official review is The Meg 2, The Trench, three out of ten. My one sentence review is two hours too long. (laughs) The film is, in fact, two hours long. I was going to say, wasn't it only an hour 45? (laughs) well, including ads, too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, after the Meg 2, The Trench, I saw, like, when I say after, I mean immediately after. Um, I saw, at, like, 9pm at night, saw The Last Voyage of the mm. Demeter. Mm-hmm. And this is so my niche. <laughs> I hit all of my sweet spots. I loved it so fucking much. Fair. Cool creature design. Spooky atmosphere. Awesome set. Love that. Um... Honestly, just so slay. And I think you're going to adore it. I think I probably would too. Is it going to like Amazon or something? Do you know? Which studio is it? It's. Oh, fuck. I can't remember which studio it is. I think it might have been Universal. Oh. Which means I it'll, it'll it could go to any. Okay. Any service. But it will go to a service. Um, yeah, it's so slay. 11 out of 10 and watch it if you, if you can. I mean, I gave it an 8 out of 10, not an 11 out of 10. But, um, <laughs> but watch it. It's really fun and like spooky, but not scary. If that yeah. makes sense. Like the atmosphere is I like, like kind of gothic and my fave. fun. Um, uh, I mean, I watched like a bunch of movies that I'd not seen before, but they're not mm. cinema ones, so I'll skip them, I guess. Um, the next one we saw was Gran Turismo. Mmm, Gran Turismo. This was wild. Mm. <laughs> it, it was a really hard one to kind of wrap my head around. Yeah, it was. Because the first 45 minutes of the, bo- of the boring. <laughs> so we'll, that's that's a, all you need to know. That's a Freudian slip if I've seen one, or heard one. Um, the first 45 minutes of the movie is like excruciatingly cringy, bad acting, boring. Yeah. Um, Orlando Bloom really let Orlando the team Bloom down Orlando Bloom made some uh, choices. <laughs> he did. I don't know if he was fucking on coke when they were filming. <laughs> yeah. Or what. Truly. But, or he made a character choice and the director didn't stop him. Mm. Um, but Orlando Bloom is manic yeah. for this entire role. It's really odd. But like not good manic. No, like not take like... you out of the movie manic. Yeah, it wasn't like it was fucking Johnny weird. Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. No. It was like... Does this man know he's in a film right now? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It is very much like that. Um, yes, yeah, so the first forty-five minutes is like boring, so painfully boring, and about just like this teen. Do you know when it, when the film first started and he was sitting in his room and all of like the little things were coming up and he was on the call with his friend? The acting was so bad mm. and the delivery of the lines was so wooden that I genuinely was like, I think this is an ad. I don't think the movie started. Yeah, well, when the movie started, I was like, oh no, this is about to be the longest yeah. advertisement in history. Yeah, two hours of just product placement ad. Yeah. At 45 minutes is when he's accepted into the Grand Turismo Academy thing and they start training and that's when it starts to pick up. And then when they actually start racing, Mm. 
that first race, not the first race, the race that decides which one of the people yeah. is going to be able to go forward. Yeah. Um, is when it gets really good because the racing scenes are so awesome. Yeah, they are. And they also are. really well done. Yes. Not just like stylistically. Yeah. No, I'm not talking like realistically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, but like stylistically. <laughs> Nick saw the dubious expression on my face and was like, wait a second, Maddie, that's not what I meant. Yeah, no, I'm talking drawing shots and camera yeah. angles and no, that kind true. of stuff. No, that's true. It was impressive. Um, because, and it had like freeze frames and stuff to, yeah. to show us where each person was and all that stuff. I really liked that. And then from then, it's probably a race every like 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, probably even Except, closer in some of the sequences. Yeah. And they're really awesome and fast-paced. And yeah, they it's are. a really cool, fun time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then there's, like, a random romantic side plot oh that God. makes no sense and shouldn't have been in the film. I genuinely would say it is one of my least favourite subplots I've ever seen in a film. It was so irrelevant. It was so irrelevant. It was so badly done. It was so badly done. It was, like, it was all of those moments, you could have just slept through those moments and you would not have... N- not only not missed anything, but you actually put have would have made you probably would have made your experience of the film better. Yeah, <laughs> like it was it was every single time the romance came on the screen, I was and like, it was so weird. <sighs> it was so weird. We saw them interact once at the beginning. At the beginning, and then he was like, and then with there's her. like every five minutes there's a scene of him like looking at her Instagram. Yeah. And it's very much giving stalker vibes. Not, it was. And not, then like cute romance vibes. Right. And then everyone was all like, oh, you're going to talk to that girl? Are you going to invite that girl to the race? Yeah. And it's like they talked for five minutes You mean minutes the one who's once. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyway, so yeah, she <laughs> has been in love with him the whole time. And there's like Apparently. a weird thing in the middle of the movie where they go on a big date around Tokyo. Yeah, unnecessary. Um, and then the other moment where there's no racing for a while is when he accidentally kills a spectator. Yeah. Which was probably well. Spoiler. <laughs> I feel like this is not because this really happened. It's a weird thing to kind of talk about, but I feel like it was a well-paced moment in the film for it to kind of like quiet down a little bit there yeah, and be I a mean, bit more retrospective. Watching but... the actual film, it didn't seem no. feel it didn't feel that insensitive in the moment. No, it didn't. But like upon further research, perhaps. Yeah, now we've got some more facts about it. It's been yeah. Like, so for oh. context, Maddie did research into it, and it turns out that the crash that. Gave him PTSD and killed a spectator and stuff. Mm. Actually, happened after the events that happened in the movie. Yes, and they like, like retroactively fitted after. it in yeah. so that they could have like a dramatic story moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, the biggest thing about this film, I would say, it wasn't just that race that they did that for, though. Basically, all of the races in the film uh, were just like were spread out over his like yeah. ten years of his career, right? So, like and they made it all, yeah, in water. yeah. They sure. made it seem like it happened over like a year, maybe eighteen months, or um, perhaps even three weeks, or perhaps even three weeks. That's really true. There was true. no timeline. There was not. <laughs> um, so, like, it's definitely like a highlight reel of mm. his career. So on the one hand, it's kind of like, well, at least they didn't just do it with that to make it a plot device, but also they did do it to make it a plot device. Yeah. So it was a bit... Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, um, it was a choice. But yeah, honestly, apart from the random romance side plot, once the racing starts, it is a good film. Yeah, yeah. And for anyone who actually is into racing, I would say it both a is really fun to watch because you see a lot of like fun realistic things like for example the one that really comes to mind was um the red bull ring at spielberg in austria that was super accurate they did a lot of really good drone shots of the actual track so it was really fun and then other tracks you were like 
they are not even in the same country. Like you could real like, uh, uh, for example, that was Silverstone in England. They did not even try and make it look like the real track. So for me, I was like, <sighs> this is stupid. But for anyone who doesn't know what they're talking about or hasn't seen the real tracks, it doesn't really yeah. matter. But for those of you who do know. I mean, that's on them for filming a globetrotting movie during COVID. Like, Honestly, it was a them. choice. It was a um, choice. Yeah. It was I, pretty I would, I would wild. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. The racing scenes were genuinely tense. They were. They were. And they again, they were pretty well done, if you could yeah. ignore the fact that they weren't on the right track. <laughs> um, the day after that, we went and saw Jurassic Park. Oh my god, yes. The 30th anniversary so cinema good. re-release. That was enjoyable. Not that we need to review the film, but it was enjoyable to see it in the yeah. cinema. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It was like, um, fun. It was like fun. It was. It was enjoyable. I said to Nick afterwards that I felt like I probably enjoyed like the cinematic experience of Titanic more than mm-hmm. I did this. But I'm also glad to have seen it in cinema. Yeah. Like it was really, it was fun and I'm glad we went. Also Titanic was in 3D. Yeah, I forgot that happened. <laughs> Which, and, and it wasn't like hurt your brain and eyes 3D. It no, was it wasn't. Like, just to add some realism depth, and depth yeah. to the to the to the film, which was really good and, yeah. and definitely worked uh, in its favor. It did. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, dinosaurs. What else? Yeah. What, what? So true. I will say it. I forgot that in the two-hour film, it takes a full hour. Yeah, for the dinos to for be. the dinos to escape. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's really true. That's it, not to say it's a negative. It's just a thing that I forgot. Yeah. No. You kind of like. I feel like you really expect the dinos to be released like max 30 minutes in and then it kind of keeps doing the setup and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is not boring, no. but I thought that it would have happened by now. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I mean, frankly, they only had two ways to go about explaining things. They could either go into real intense depth yeah. of explaining how they brought dinosaurs back or just being like somehow Palpatine returned. (laughs) Why did I know that was the reference you were going to make? And they went with the, we'll explain the scientific details of why, how the dinosaurs are back. And I appreciated that. I did too. I think that was because, and I didn't realize this for some reason until I just saw it in cinema, but the writer of the original book also wrote the, yeah, also wrote the screenplay. So I was kind of like, oh, well, of course he would Mm. include all of the research that he did for this in the movie. Like, yeah, yeah. makes complete sense. For example, in the Meg, it's, there's a weird ozone layer that stops the prehistoric dinosaur sharks from the thermocline, the thermocline from (laughs) escaping the depths of the ocean. Yes. But it's not it's really it's not explained. It's just No, there. it's not. And thermoclines are a real thing, but for some reason they just assume that we all know what they are. And that they <laughs> and would what be they powerful enough to stop a shark. Yeah. A giant octopus, a cra- like a literal kraken. It's really true. Or... To be fair, they do explain it a little bit more in the first film, which you, Chelsea and I watched directly before we went and saw the Meg Two. Um and, and I don't know how long it's been. Well they, ex- like, well, they explained why it's enough to stop a shark from coming out, for example. Um, but, like, it's not, like, it's still, there's a lot of, like, just just go with the flow kind of logic to it. Anyway. <laughs> um, 
I didn't see it in cinemas, but I'll talk about it because it's new. Um, Indiana Jones Five. Oh yeah, I re- yeah yeah. Dial of Destiny. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but um, I watched Indiana Jones Five this week. Dial of Destiny, and I really really loved it. Mm. It's like a really fun adventure movie. Mm. I don't think it outstays its welcome. There's it's a really long. There's a, like a 25 minute opening sequence. Wild. Where they wanted to do like a de-aged Harrison Ford, like um. It's basically a short film set in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So technically, and like pure entertainment-wise, it yeah. was fun and yeah. fresh. Who doesn't love to see a cowboy fight Nazis? So true. Um, on a moving train. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically every action film we've had in the last 100 years. <laughs> yeah, but it does add 25 minutes to the runtime. So it's like, yeah, I could have taken it all and le- le- leavened it. How long is the film? Two hours twenty. That's too long. It's quite long. That's really long. After that, I didn't feel it. Yeah, yeah. It's quite well paced. Shit. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of baffled that it only has mediocre to good reviews because I thought, out of the five Indiana Jones, it's the third best. Like, (laughs) the first one's the best, and then the next second one's the best, which is the Temple of Doom, and then three and four are worse than this one. Interesting. I really liked this one, and I thought it was fun and adventure and cool. That's fair. That's fair. I do actually kind of want to watch it. I didn't... I'm not going to lie. I think I, you'll really like it. Well, I didn't really even like the first and the second one, personally. Um, That's so wild to me. Yeah, I don't really know. I think it was just... I think it was one of those things where, like, dude bros just go on and on about how good it is. And I was like, oh, well, how good can it really be? I guess I'll try and I'll figure it out for myself. And then but I you're watched not Spielberg. it. And then I watched it. And I was like, well, Indiana Jones doesn't even have anything to do with the main plot. <laughs> like, he doesn't affect the story at all. So I yeah, don't but it doesn't really. really matter. Well, it doesn't really matter. But I was like, I don't really get it. He's just a vehicle for the audience in the first one. Well, which is. I, yes, but that turned me off because people were like, because all I've heard my whole life is this is the most amazing film of all time. Or, or like that it's a very good film. So I was like, mm, I don't get it. I'm being edgy and cool. I don't like it. I mean, it. you like all the other, other Spielberg movies. I do. So I might the, be able to go. I watched um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was one of his early mm. movies, um, recently, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And it's, like, fascinating. It's like a character piece. Interesting. About, like, the aliens deciding, like, driving a family man crazy kind of thing. It's not. It's not a scary film. It's actually quite a light film. Yeah. There is one scary scene in it where the aliens like abduct a kid, mm. but it's really awesome, and I think you would also love it because it's like a rival. Yeah. Where there's like an extended sequence of them trying to communicate with a UFO yeah. with lights. Yeah. Um. So I think you'd really like it. The other movie classic that I watched is Misery, and that's um mm. directed by Rob Rayner, based on a Stephen King book. It's not scary at all. But it's, like, immediately in my top ten, potentially top five. I fucking loved it. I adored it <laughs> so fucking much. Yeah. It's, like, a perfect film. I loved everything about it. Mm. Kathy Bates. A queen. Winning an Oscar for that. And then, like, a couple years later, being in, like, the biggest film of all time, The Titanic. Yeah. Is a sleigh. She is an icon. Um, So everyone watch Misery if you haven't already. And then, last night, Maddie and I spontaneously went and saw Oppenheimer. Yes, we did. Now, we had 
a lot to say about this. <laughs> but then we said it all. <laughs> to each other. To each other. We did, but then we kept talking about it this morning at this Chelsea. True. <laughs> okay, so I feel like we need to give the full context that we... It's been out for a month and a half. It has. Maddie and I weren't very keen on seeing it. And we haven't been since it was announced that he was no. doing it. We, it's like a perfect storm of factors that made us think that we'd not like it. Yes. It's three hours long. Ugh. It's and you all know black- how much we complain about that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's partially in black and white. Yep. Bad. Um, it's Chris- Christopher Nolan fanboys are always a turn off. Yes. Christopher uh, Nolan's last film, we really Tenet did not like. Really, really soured him. Yes. Specifically for the two of us. Yes. Um, from both a film perspective and the optics perspective, because the film itself was purposefully hard to understand and hear. Yes. Uh, and also, stupid. it was not a difficult concept, but it spent the entire two and a half hours pretending like it was a difficult concept yeah. to grasp. Yeah. And it's like, no, they're just starting at different points. And right. Crossing, they, Doctor Who did yeah. better, whatever. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the actual film itself we didn't like, Tenet. Yes. And also we didn't like the fact that he, Christopher, he being Christopher Nolan, went on, like, a tirade about the fact that it was, oh, sorry. You're that right. um, it's Was it in 2020 or 2021? I think so, yeah. It was in 2021. That uh, he wanted to release the film exclusively in cinemas in 2021 and people should risk their lives to go see it during mm, COVID and mm. all this stuff and it's going to save cinema. Uh, and then it didn't save cinema and it was in fact a mediocre film. Yes. Um, the whole thing just soured us. And I think the other factor, I don't know if this was one for you, but it was definitely one for me, was I was like, I do not want to watch a movie about the guy who invented the atomic bomb. I don't want to see this, like, idolization of him or this, like, softening of our sympathies towards him. Yes, but everything else I've mentioned, we had actual reason to think that. Yes, that was just an opinion that I had. that they were going to, it was going to be insensitive and, like, pro-war propaganda is on us. Yeah, that's really... No, while that is true, I would definitely say that most historical films about World War II are like that. So it wasn't like it was an unfounded yeah, thing to worry about. Um, it just, We just didn't have any specific reason for this specific film, aside from the general climate that is usually the case with World War II films. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so all of those things made us go, and on top of that, that it was coming out the same day as Barbie. And mm-hmm. again, I don't know about for you, but for me, I was like, this is the year of Barbie. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving any money to Oppenheimer. <laughs> I don't care about these film bros who are like, Oppenheimer is going to be so much better because I want Barbie to be successful. And so I was like, it's not happening. I'm not going. I'm not doing Barbenheimer. I'm not seeing it on opening weekend. I'm only giving my money to Barbie. <laughs> and maybe at one point in the future, I will deign to give Christopher Nolan <laughs> three hours of my time mm-hmm. to watch this film. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Um, with all of the... T- uh, but anyway, yeah, so last night we spontaneously went and saw it. There was nothing else on. Yeah, there was nothing else on, and neither of us wanted to be the one to, to say, cancel. Yeah, so we went. So we just did it. Literally, we were sitting in the cinema, and I was like, there was only a few other people in there. And I was like, oh, there'd be so many more people in Barbie. Yeah. That would be so much nicer. So, like, the movie yeah, was starting, we were and, and we were still, still like, why are we here? Yeah. So, to be clear, we went in with 
probably the most negative <laughs> attitudes we could have. Yes. Which is on us. Yeah. And then, spoiler alert, we both walked out and were like, that was potentially one of the best films of all time. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> 10 out of 10. But I think the fact, I, I almost think that actually, like, adds to the fact that we have such a favorable opinion of it now because we weren't biased. We yeah. were biased against it going yeah. in. And so... But we admitted that we were wrong. Yeah. Well, not only have we admitted that we're wrong, we've now come out with such a favorable favorable opinion that we're like... Like, it did the work for us. Like, we... Yeah. It, it convinced us yeah. that it was... I genuinely, there is nothing bad I can say. I think this is because we only saw it last night and it's still so fresh in my mind, but there's just nothing bad I can say about this film. I yeah, could talk about no. this for an hour and... Ugh. I agree. I think um, the only thing I mentioned, and it wasn't even a negative, was that uh, if you've seen the film, you know that it switches back and forth between black and white yes, and colour. Um, for most of the film, quite infrequently. Mm. And then the last 45 minutes to hour, it's... Essentially, every other scene uh, is switching back and forth. And it felt a little bit um, disorienting to me, but I didn't really care. I and felt like also, it kind of added to the vibe. My concern about the black and white was that it was going to be pretentious and it didn't yeah. feel pretentious. No, it didn't feel it. Uh, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that nothing about this film felt pretentious. No, it didn't. None of it felt uh, self congratulatory like Tenet Not at did. All. Um, Tennant was like an ode he was like this is an ode to myself and my genius as a filmmaker and as a writer mm. this is uh, this is the peak of my career whereas I think Oppenheimer because that was a that was like we weren't alone in that opinion right there was a lot of critics yeah, who no, also were like yes. this was not a very good film general audiences didn't like it much yeah, yeah so I think he kind of had a bit of a humbling yeah. <laughs> after that and was yeah. like oh I think maybe I need to reassess yeah in the, and yeah, reassess no, you're right. he did. You're right, because in a way that Tenet felt self-serving, this felt purely uh, for the art and purely yeah, for the story. And it did. purely to convey the message he was conveying. No, for um, sure, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, it was fucking phenomenal. All of the acting was insane. Um, the artistic choices were both... Uh, neat, like, yes, uh, pleasant sensory experiences, mm. uh, or, or engaging ones, yeah. and also um, fresh and serve the story yeah. and cool and yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm not making any sense because I'm just praising it. But no, it was it was it was it was a phenomenal film, and I think, I mean, one of the main critiques that I've kind of seen of it was. <sighs> have been that, and we've already discussed this again at length, but that it was pro-war, U.S. military propaganda. Yeah. Not at all. No. Not no, at no. all. Um, I, uh, again, we've said this multiple times to each other, but it felt very much like what it actually was, was a... Um, a warning. A, yeah, a warning. It was an indictment of war. It was. It was. It was not glorifying yeah. Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb. It was saying this changed the world, but not for the better. Yeah. Like, and even from like a, uh, I was worried that it was going to make him seem him specifically seem like a hero, not just like yeah. the American military. Yeah. 
it 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 didn't like sugarcoat anything. No, in it my didn't. Opinion. No, it didn't. It was um, quite a neutral way. I felt of telling the story, even like, the fallout and the consequences and stuff. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't tell. Uh, like one of the big critiques is that it doesn't tell the story of the local people at the testing site. Yeah, or even uh, the, the and victims the in generations Japan. of pain that it's caused them and stuff like that. Um, but I just, I don't think this was that movie. No. This had a very singular vision. It did. And it. I think... I totally understand those critiques. I think it's a valid critique. It's definitely very valid. But it also... It didn't feel like it was missing. Specifically because... The film wasn't glorifying what was going on. Yes, it, and it was, was also condemning what was going on. Almost cosmic in its scope. Yeah, yeah. It was... I mean, if you've seen the movie cool if you've not seen the movie this is a spoiler about how it ends but it's not like gonna ruin your the movie no. experience like the final shot of the movie is literally the world burning yeah yeah <laughs> it, no it literally is it's like, like Oppenheimer's I, the final line of the film is Oppenheimer saying I think I destroyed the world wild what was that <laughs> it was a car really yeah yeah um maybe a motorbike yeah it 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 doesn't tell those specific stories, but no. that's because it has a singular vision. And I think that it, um, it's the macro of yeah, the consequences and yes, the fallout, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, no, it was. Does that make sense? No, I, it does make complete sense. Yeah, um, it's like, yo, this changed the course of history and we can't put that genie back in the bottle. Yeah. So humans are selfish and humans doom themselves and mutually assured destruction and shit. Which I also thought was really interesting because nuclear war and nuclear weapons are not really a massive focus of discussion on the world stage Mm. at the moment. Um, So it was so interesting for him to take that. But like, I totally agree with it personally. Um, And I think it was just so interesting for him to take that perspective and say, this was the defining moment in humanity and Mm. we went the wrong way when it's not really something that people are, like, talking about at the moment. Like, uh, this movie would have been... Mm-hmm. It would have, I think, had a completely different, like, cultural impact slash a, a different, like, take on society if it had come out in the 80s, for example, when we're at the peak of, like, Cold War hysteria, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so the fact that it's come out now just makes it... I don't know. It just It just adds this kind of interesting, like, lens and element... Personally, for no, me, I agree. yeah, it's. I mean, I also think this movie probably. I mean, it could have been made any time, but no, it could have to be well received yes. by general audiences. I think probably in the last ten years, fifteen years, it could have had the impact that it's had. I don't. I, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does make sense. This was the right time for it to come out. Yeah. And also just from like a human perspective, it it it, it it's very much it highlights the inhumanity yes. of the subjects of the film. So Robert Downey Jr.'s character and Oppenheimer and stuff. It 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 shines a light on Yeah, their inhumanity. Um Yeah, the fucked up things they've done. And the, the disregard they have for yes. pe- certain people and yeah. all this stuff. Um, and it doesn't shy away from all that. I don't know. I just, I like, I've seen some reviews 
plot like be like it, it it it's essentially a horror movie like yeah yeah it's three hours of non-stop butt clenched like tension yeah no it is it is the pacing is phenomenal phenomenal um, but yeah i i it, it's it's a very much a horror movie there's like one scene that i can't stop thinking about is um again spoiler alert after the successful test it, oh it might be playing the, the light show the oh uh, stuff sense. um is when the successful test happens uh about two hours in uh and oppenheimer's kind of like losing it a little bit like he's not losing it but he's he's feeling little... the repercussions on, yeah and the, is the this emotional when they're weight. in the hall yes yeah so this is after japan has been bombed the emotional weight the of these lives kind of thing yeah um oh yeah it was after yes yes um and it's like this cheering crowd of americans and the audience gets to see oppenheimer having like a visceral reaction yeah to kind of in his head grappling with the kind of all of the intricacies of it and he nolan shows that literally like physically Mm. and he's (laughs) oppenheimer's saying these like racist remarks and stuff yeah in this speech that he's giving the americans are cheering and cut in between all of that is oppenheimer having visions of a nuke going off around them and the skin peeling off the audience members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stepping in there, like the, the dead body the, the, the of The soundscape a... and the sound yeah, effects in that yeah. moment are like chilling. Yeah. And stuff like that. Um, which is why I'm saying it's insane to me that anyone's coming out of this movie and saying it glorifies yes. war and uh, makes a hero out of Oppenheimer and all this stuff. It very clearly tells us. All this shit's wrong and fucked up and inhumane. Well, it was kind of, you know, when they, that scene and also the scene when they did the test detonation and you had every single person was cheering and Mm. so excited, except for that one person who was friends with Oppenheimer, I don't remember his name, Mm -hmm. who you could see on his face being like, oh my God, what have we done? Mm. This is now successful and this, you know what it's going to mean. And I feel like it was just this perfect, same as that scene, this perfect like way of actually, it wasn't a celebration. It actually, to me, felt like they were highlighting how fucked up it was that the Americans were celebrating. Yes. Winning the war in that no, way. I agree. Um, it was more of like a, you don't understand what you've done. Like, mm. this is like, this is really fucked mm. up that you did this. Yeah, and um, it was also not lost on me that they highlighted quite often uh, that there was the slimmest chance that they were not able to confirm whether or not yeah the bomb would have a chain reaction with the atmosphere yeah. and it just set the atmosphere on fire literally destroying the world yes like the literal entire world yeah 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 <laughs> um and they were on a deadline so they did it anyway yeah yeah i feel like that was also i think you and i looked at each other multiple times yeah during those moments because we were like I knew this information. I knew that, that yeah. that's how it happened. But, like, seeing it in such, like, a visceral way, it, it's it's almost hard to comprehend how fucked up and insane that is. Oh, for sure. Even though it was a close to zero 
Yeah. Percent chance. But not zero, right? <laughs> but not zero that you could yeah. be destroying the world so yeah, that you can you did it anyway. meet a deadline. Uh, yeah. Well, Oof. and I think, I mean, Oof. obviously that ended up being like Chilling. the main motif of the film because that's how it ended is him saying, well, we did end up destroying the world. It yeah, just wasn't did, in we did the literal. The reaction. It was yeah, just not, not in the literal everything burning, mm. actually physically burning kind of way. Um, yeah, very, very good. Yes, and then on top of that, genius. <laughs> thematically, it was also the atomic bomb is about like, and nuclear warfare is about a mutually assured destruction. Yeah, and then there's this: the last hour of the film is about the legal battle. Yeah, uh, which, funnily enough, also ended them. up being a mutually assured destruction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Was that what and you want to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is uh, the, the 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 so the bomb is about that, and nuclear warfare is about mutually assured destruction. And then it turns out that the film itself is also. Yeah, this about political... this personal mutually assured destruction between Robert Downey Jr. and um, Oppenheimer's characters. Oppenheimer. Killian Murphy's characters. Yeah. Um, that's just done stunningly and beautifully. Yeah. And every single actor has a chance to shine. And, yeah. Yeah. I, can't I say will enough. say we definitely, an hour in, we were like, wow, we're like really engaged and it's really fast paced, but it's only been an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and then two hours in, we were like, okay, the it's happened the war is over what is the rest of the film about and that's not to say that we were bored at any point we were not i I mean i can't speak for you i was not bored at any point i was not disengaged for one single second of that whole film in in shock at how engaging it was for three hours right right i would say uh, that movie and prisoners dennis villeneuve is it Mm -hmm. um was the only two movies that i've ever watched in my whole life that were that long that i was like That was worth every minute that I mm. spent watching it. Yeah, Prisoners is one of my favorites. Yeah, um, I think I was making a point before, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, I just. Oh yeah, then in the final hour, you kind of find out that actually what's been going on has been the framing device for the whole film, and yeah. you get the resolution of yeah. what the whole film had kind of been about. But um, it, it doesn't feel irrelevant. No. Or removed. It all is so seamlessly kind yeah. of. Yeah either thematically or literally or yeah. whatever connected. Yes. It's really great. Um, yeah. Actually, in a way, the final hour of the film and the film itself actually being about something completely different than I yeah. thought it was going in. Barbie. Barbie. Well, like I said this morning, the, fil- the, the, the main thematic thread of the film being humans are stupid and they yeah. fuck up everything they touch. Also... Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Thematically, Barbie and Oppenheimer, exactly Barbenheimer is a good double feature. Yeah. Literally, though. No. We're, we're both, we've already talked about this, Maddie and I are both ecstatic that we didn't see Barbenheimer yeah. together opening weekend. Y'all who did that, not only, I mean, the issue is not only would it would have would it have given you major whiplash yeah. and you wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to go from one to the other. I do actually think it would have lessened your enjoyment of, of both. Yeah. And you would have come out of it thinking the movies weren't as good as they were. <laughs> yeah. If you did do Barbenheimer opening weekend, yeah. not even same day, just one a Saturday and a Sunday, whatever, yeah. I would recommend watching them separately, separately. apart. Uh, and reevaluating eating those meals separately instead yes. of having dessert and dinner. On the same plate. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. Because I didn't do it, and I'm still grappling with the fact that if I had done it, I, I yeah, I really don't think I would have been able to experience and enjoy each film individually well, even to its full extent. This morning, I was trying to, or last night, I was trying to be like, do I think Barbie or Oppenheimer is a better film 
did which one did I enjoy more? And it's like they're just impossible to compare. Yeah. They're just so even though again thematically they're exactly the same they did it in such different ways that it's like they're just you can't mm. if they were both nominated for best picture at the oscars i'd be like uh, pfft, how do you decide yeah <laughs> like how do you yeah yeah, yeah. so needs two no, separate categories yeah all right anyway we probably should wrap up because i've got to go yeah yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i'm like <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm I'm very happy and glad to admit that we were both wrong about yes, this film and that yeah. we were negative Nancy's about it. We were, and instead we both walked out with like a new top ten. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those films, and Barbie was like this too for me, where I was like, oh my god, it's just really nice and refreshing to see a genuinely good and different film, right? Yeah. It's like reignites your love for cinema. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I think that we said last night was, um, for me, this was the first time I've seen, like, I don't even, I, again, I don't know if I'd call it a biopic. Yeah. Yep. Specifically. It didn't really feel like that. But it's the first time I've seen, like, a story, a, a film like this, where it's telling someone's life story to some extent. And I've not felt like I've been missing some vital context or yeah. some information. I walked that out of Oppenheimer and I didn't feel the need to Google what happened with this or what happened after this or was this true? Did this actually happen? I didn't feel the need to Google anything like that afterwards. No. Yeah. Which is so impressive to me because it gave me everything I needed. Yeah. No, it did. To it be gave... to be like um creatively and like as an audience member completely fulfilled. For sure. And I think one of the really interesting things is is they covered an extensive amount of years mm. of Oppenheimer's life. Like you've got from right when he was first in university, basically all the way up until he died and he was getting all his medals and stuff, mm. which is like, I reckon that's got to be 40 years or so of his life. But you know, sometimes when you watch movies that are spanned over 40 years of someone's life and you're like, Oh, mm. this is really boring. I don't want to watch every single part of your life play out. It didn't feel like that because no. of the way that it was told in that back and forth kind of, and then everything coming together in the final hour it felt really it as nick said it gave you everything and you felt really full like yeah, of knowledge yeah, yeah. and <laughs> without and it dragging maybe in a any good way. way to kind of give context to it is um again this won't make sense if you've not seen it but um he, he they could have very easily left out the gene tatlock uh story yeah, the yeah, yes, story yeah because in the grand scheme of things the gene tatlock story is not necessarily a vital piece to the actual nuclear... Uh, not to the nuclear stuff, but it was to the Communist Party... Narrative, yeah, 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 yeah. But also... Which was the main... I think, more than anything, it gave us the context of him as a person. Yes. And, like, not only is he capable of love, but I think, mm. as it was the portrayed devotion. in the film... Jean Tatlock was his true love. Yeah, yes, yeah. And losing her the way she died and all yep. this stuff gives such kind of specific context mm. to not just his character, to uh, quite a lot of characters, including Emily Blunt's yes. um, Kitty. Yeah. Like when she tells him to 
suck it up and yeah. get back to Los Alamos. After he did she this dies to himself. himself. Yeah. Yeah. All all of it. I don't know. Yeah. It would have been easy enough for them to cut that out, even with the communist stuff. I think. Yeah. To cut out the quote unquote romance. Yeah. Because yeah. they could have still showed him at the parties and stuff without yeah. showing him having an affair. Yeah. 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 But I think it added not just human character, but. thematic and mm. everything. I don't know. It's wild to me that this nerd was a serial cheater, though. <laughs> Truly! He was a fucking womanizer! Honestly, and they even left one cheating scandal as, like, a plot twist at the yeah, end. Yeah, they did. They and did. I was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I know! The drama of it! Yeah, yeah. Truly. It was, it was wild. It was wild. But, I mean, again, his interpersonal dramas really added to the backdrop because that's what it ended up being, right? Robert Downey Jr.'s, what was his name? Louis Strauss or something. Louis Strauss, um, yeah. That ended up being the reason why he went on his, like, witch hunt to bring Oppenheimer down was because of interpersonal Yeah, and it, drama. Then it turns out that the reason Oppenheimer's dealing with the uh, yeah, major trial spoiler. thingy yeah. thingy, yeah. major spoiler, is... <laughs> To ensure mutually assured destruction. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, it was just genius. It was genius. As a, as a storytelling device no, and sure. everything. Um, for sure. So, as it turns out, Robert Pattinson, actually, thank you for giving Christopher Nolan that book at the rap party of Tenet. Yeah. Because you did the world a solid. Yeah. <laughs> Shockingly. Shouldn't have dabbed him either. No, right? I know. We should not have. We should not have. Anyway. Yeah. That's our glowing review of Oppenheimer. Yeah. Shocking. Which we did not expect to be giving. We did not. At literally, we were sitting down before the movie, and I was like, are you going to hate me if we get two hours in and I want to walk out? Yeah, that's right. I forgot you said that. Because I was like, what if worst case scenario is we agree with Logan Paul? Yeah. We had that whole discussion about it, and we yeah. were like, oh my God, would that make us bad people yeah. if our opinions are aligned yeah. with Logan Paul's? Like, is that a bad like view of uh, thank god though yeah you know? yeah because the context out. logan paul famed infamous person. horrible person yeah uh went on like a tweet rampage where he was like i walked out of oppenheimer two hours in because it was useless and pointless and boring and it was just people talking for three hours <laughs> and everyone was like look if you don't have the emotional maturity to feel the tension yeah in these scenes that's mm-hmm. on you boo yeah like Again, also, to drive it home, if you watch this movie and genuinely thought that it was either pro-war or pro-nuclear war or yeah. painted Oppenheimer as a hero, or especially that last one. military propaganda, yeah. If you saw this movie and walked out thinking Oppenheimer was a hero, you need to examine yourself. <laughs> yeah! Maybe rethink who you're idolising yeah. here. Like... <laughs> Yeah. It was not very sympathetic. I thought I did. There was a couple of moments where I was like, oh, where is this going? Particularly when he was having all that PTSD and regret about doing the bomb. Because I was like, oh, are they really going to make him out now mm. after all the terrible things he's done to be this good person? But they still didn't. No. They still did. They still were very clear. It's like, yeah, he did do it. Yeah, he does feel bad about it. But he didn't feel bad about it. And he did still do it, even though everyone was telling him not to do it. And also they so, put forward the points that like... As a human, he's inherently selfish and he is enjoying the fame that this is bringing yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, they did. And also is potentially him uh, encouraging mm. all this fanfare and encouraging the fame mm. 
a way of protecting himself. Yeah, legally yes. and yeah, uh, yeah, by the food from the government and stuff. They did. Uh, they like put all that forward, which they, they did. didn't have to, but they did, and I appreciated that. No, for sure, for sure. I, I, if you couldn't tell. We are obsessed with this film. Yeah, unfortunately, it is our personality. It is. It is. We really, yeah. It's been a long time, I think, since we've been this excited about a film. And unfortunately, I am going to include Barbie in that. Mm. Like, and I think probably because we are so shocked and we went in having such a negative outlook. Yeah. That, and it changed our minds so thoroughly that it's like this whole, it's a journey for us. This has been a journey. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's a longer episode than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Oppenheimer. So, um, uh, Maddie, where can people follow you? Uh, at real underscore Maddie underscore M on TikTok and Instagram. Slay. Um, also, no what the fuck of the week this week because it's not a normal episode. Um, Good. I was not going to be able to come up with the other one. <laughs> um, if you want to follow the pod, you can at WTFH podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me, you can. At NIC underscore sushi on TikTok and Twitter. <sighs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Thank you so very much for listening, listening to What the, the Fuck is Happening in the Podcast. podcast. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.